Welcome to Encompass Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us today. To share your story of what God has been doing in you and through you, take a moment to email us at amen at encompass.org.au. Enjoy today's message. You guys doing good? It's great to be in church today. Thank you, Dave. It's about to call him Pastor Dave just then. Swing that around. Um, as uh, maybe you've worked out today, but uh, we have our Doreen uh, team and, and church with us. Uh, can we welcome Pastor Mark and Jana? Uh, they're sitting separately today because they had a fight before, and uh, that's why we didn't run church, and that's why we're here today. No, uh, it was a. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Are you guys fighting? No, they're not. Ah, oh, no, they, they gave me a look going, it's fine. Um, but um, they just had some power things, right, like taking place, some power works that they're reintroducing some new power lines. And then last night, I, whenever you get a call from a campus lead at 6.30 on a Saturday night, you know something's about. And, uh, and it wasn't one call, it was two calls. I went, uh-oh. And, uh, and then Pastor Mark was saying, hey, uh, this is what's going on. And so they're here joining us today. If you're joining us online, uh, our Doreen campus or our online people, we welcome you today. As Alyssa said, today is a bit different as in we're just heading into a five or six week teaching series. Uh, and we're excited to do so. But again, uh, you walked in with a piece of paper on your uh, chairs saying this must be the place, but also here's some homework. Uh, and so you're going, I didn't come here for this. Uh, but listen, we'll, we'll get into it shortly. Um, if you need a pen or a piece of paper, just yell, put your hand up in the next 30 seconds and, um, you know, we'll be able to help you. Hey, um, what should I say now? Hey, you know, if Doreen doesn't have a, a, a location, I'm just going to put this out there. We do need to find them a building and we do need to get some land and buildings out in Doreen and Craigburn. Does anyone have faith for that in the room? Amen. Uh, I'll, I'm just going to leave that sentence there because I'll go on an excitement journey and I have to just say it with... With wisdom and maturity. Um, but listen, some people have also been asking and, and sharing, like, how are you feeling? It's been 15 weeks or 14 weeks, not that anyone's counting, uh, 15 weeks since you, like, you know, started taking the reins of the church and like, how's it all going? And to be honest, this is how I describe it, as in we're very grateful for nothing that we're doing, but we are grateful for God's grace over our church. Uh, There's something special taking place. A lot of visitors that come through, they're going, man, something special is happening here. We are honestly in awe of what God is doing, uh, and God is really being faithful, and very. it's been very, uh, he's showing his grace grace every single day to us. Um, But I'd, I'd liken it to this. It's like we've got a new car, or we're learning a new car, and we're working out the accelerator and brake pedals. You know when you drive a car you've never driven before and you go, oh, like, I didn't know that was so sensitive. You know what I mean? That's what it's like at the moment. We're just getting used to, like, how it accelerates, how it brakes, how it stops, how it starts. And so it's a great thing. It's an exciting thing, but we're getting used to it. Uh, And we haven't crashed yet, uh, so uh, it's great. But listen, uh, a couple of other things is that um, uh, Pastor John and Lois are back. Very exciting. Oh, we, that's, a good, that's a great response. Uh, they got back on Friday morning. They saw the girls within three hours. Uh, and listen, they're very refreshed. They were very jet lagged. We will see them, I would say, in the next couple of weeks. Um, 
Pastor John is preaching in five weeks' time, the last week of Galatians. I know Pastor John. He is going to be ready to go for this series. Uh, he is going to, I wouldn't, if he, I know he's away, but he would have been studying like every single day. I know, I know John. He's going to be doing this. But it's great to have our pastors back, to be honest. Uh, so it's going to be an incredible time. Would you honor them when they come through? When you see them, tell them you miss them. Tell them you love them. Uh, it's an incredible thing to have them back. It brings such a strength to our church, having them uh, uh, part of our team. So anyway, uh, that's just a side note. One other thing, and then I'll get into the message. I've got to work this through a bit. Um, I really would love to do some ministry time today, so, but there's a lot of content. But one more thing. Uh, February, uh, is it, uh, February 10th and 11th in 2024. So this is in a few months' time. Uh, can I just ask a question? Who owns a business... Uh, has a desire to run a business or own a business or is an entrepreneur and, and kind of just loves, a, you're just passionate about business. Would you put your hand up really quickly if that is you? There's a lot of hands going up, as you can see. Listen, this is um, next year. Uh, we got prophesied over this guy named Pastor Dave Balestri. He is a, a kingdom-orientated uh, businessman that is the marketplace pastor for uh, Hope You See, which is Pastor Darlene and Mark Check's church. Anyway, we got prophesied over him like six months ago, kind of connected with him, really good guy, but he has a passion to sharpen uh, kingdom-orientated people. He has a passion to uh, spend time with business heads, etc., etc. And the thing is, is that 98% of us will never work for a church. 98% of us will never become a pastor, etc., etc. And trust me, you don't want to do it. It's, it's crazy. Last 15 weeks, crazy. No. Um, but the thing is, we need to equip the saints for their spheres of influence. So when you own a business and things like that, you have a certain amount of influence and we want to make sure we bring an edge to you. And, and so, listen, our heart is to equip people at the start of next year as you head into that business season. You know, because no one wants to talk business in December. They're going, I'm just shutting down for the time. But we're going to make sure it's our second week. If you can put it in your diary, it's the 10th and the 11th of February. I'm really excited for that. It's going to be great to have him. He's going to speak across our campuses on the Sunday morning. Hey, we've got some incredible speakers coming next year. And uh, it's going to be a real blessing in 2024. But listen, let's be honest here. We're in October. Let's not get carried away. We're a bit of a planner. So I'm a bit of, well, this is a bit of a planner too. Anyway, Galatians chapter one, we're going to be walking through today. Galatians is uh, a six chapter book. I would encourage you to read it. Some of you are going, stop talking and give me the answers because you're obsessed with, with this. Just calm down. Calm down. Uh, I will get you these answers very shortly. But here's the thing. Uh, the reason why we're doing this book of Galatians is not just to demystify the Bible. You know, Romans, we did it a few years ago, and people always talk about it, But it's not just to bring you greater understanding. But our hope and prayer is that you have a deeper revelation of Jesus. That transformation takes place in your heart. Because here's the thing. Knowledge is great. And maybe you were the smartest person in the room when it comes to Bible knowledge uh, and, and theology and all those sorts of things. But let me tell you something. Knowledge doesn't change you. Yeah. Knowledge does not change you, but when the, Spirit of the God, uh, when the Spirit of God reveals something to you, when the Spirit of God lights something up inside of you, let me say something, something changes. Something moves in our lives. And so, listen, uh, we're going to be uh, talking about this today for the next five weeks. Uh, we're going to just do chapter one today, and then we'll kick on. But the, the Bible is a collection. You can write this in your notes if you have it. Look at you all. 
Finally, he said one. Whatever. The Bible is a collection of writings. It's not just one book. It's the New Testament and the Old Testament. It's 39 books in the Old, 27 in the New. Um, and we believe it encompasses that every bit of the Bible is God-breathed. It comes from the mouth of God. And the thing is about Galatians, and especially in the New Testament, there are 21 letters in the New Testament. There's about 13 letters that um, most people would say that Paul wrote. And when it comes to Galatians, Galatians is a letter to a local church that Paul planted. It's a letter to a church. Again, this is, again, fill-in-the-blank moment, just letting you know. I won't always remember to say fill-in-the-blank. Some of you are really addicted to filling-in-the-blanks. And we need to pray for that because it's very concerning. Um, but uh, the thing is, is that Paul would plant these churches, one in Galatia, but then after that, he would become a bit of a, an, it was a, a, an apostolic leadership that he had. So it's kind of like when Pastor John planted uh, Craigieburn and Doreen, it's not like he was there every day. He couldn't be there every Sunday. He had to support the leadership. So this is Paul planting churches, and then he would take a step back, and then he would begin to send letters to be able to support encourage, sometimes correct. I'm just letting you know this, this letter to the Church of Galatia, it's a correction letter. Just so you know. So if we applied it to ourselves and compass, we might get corrected individually and corporately and that's okay. But anyway, but when it comes down to what is Galatians about, is, uh, what's it about? The six chapters has two fundamental uh, keys to it. And the first one, fill in the blank, is that it is gospel alignment. It is gospel alignment. You see, and let me just explain this for a moment. You see, the first ever Christians in uh, Jerusalem were Jewish. But as the gospel went around the world, you had non-Jewish people, people like you and me. If you're not Jewish, people like you and me, all of a sudden becoming Christians, receiving Christ as their Lord and Savior. And the Jewish Christians, they thought they knew better. They, they thought that they wanted, to, they wanted to add things to the gospel. See, Paul planted the church, and he started off with the messaging of that Jesus Christ saves uh, all people. But unfortunately, the church in Galatia, they were starting to drift. Everyone say drift. They were starting to drift off the original gospel, and they began to add things to the gospel. I don't know if you've ever had, uh, I've got um, Christian Orthodox friends, Serbian uh, Orthodox friends, and they, and they respect our church. They respect me being a pastor of church, but they've got like some rituals and some stuff that they kind of go, oh, but we do this. You know what I'm saying? Like, as in, and this is a bit of a thing, oh, you know, we do this because we're a little bit more, you know, uh, better. No, uh, you know, but you can feel that way. Do you know what I mean? And, and so in the end, this is what the Jewish Christians were trying to do. They were saying, hey, you need to add things to the message. You need to add these rituals. And we'll get into this in a few moments, but, but it's really important. The Galatians were beginning then to follow this teaching. And this is the, the next kind of part of Jesus Plus. They, were trying to, they started to follow this teaching, Jesus Plus works. Jesus Plus works equals salvation. Jesus Plus what you do every time you attend church. Jesus Plus, and, and we'll, I'll just share one right now. Jesus Plus, you need to change your diet to become a Christian. I'll, I'll say one more because it's, it's Jesus plus, 
Oh, you've given your heart to Jesus? Uh, put your hand up if you have. Great, fantastic. All right, hey, just through that door, we're going to start circumcision after the service. <laughs> this is no joking. This is, this is, but this was the church. This is what they were drifting towards. Some of you are going, I ain't becoming a Christian. <laughs> uh, that ain't happening. But Paul found this deeply concerning. And so he writes this letter because this is what he knew is that um, um, the good news, the gospel, is about faith in Jesus Christ. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Faith, not works. The true gospel is Jesus plus nothing. You, you're going to keep hearing this over the next five or six weeks. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. If you have Jesus, you don't need anything else. Gospel alignment. The second purpose of the, the, the book of Galatians is gospel living. Everyone say gospel living. Only 40% of you said that because the rest of you were filling out your form again. Uh, very distracted bunch. Gospel living. Paul is trying to make it really clear here. And this is, this is, this is uh, probably the Galatians 4, 5, and 6. But the, the gospel is not only the way to enter the kingdom of God, but it's a way to live in the kingdom of God. You see, what happens is a lot of us, we go, what a great gospel message. I gave my heart to Jesus. And then we forget about the gospel through our walk of life. And you've been a Christian for maybe one year, 10 years, 45 years, maybe even more than that. But here's the thing. The gospel is for everyday living. We should never count the gospel, the sacrifice of Jesus, as meaningless. We should hold it close to our hearts. It should be embedded in our hearts. I love your prayer life, but you need to love the gospel more. I love the fact that you read your Bible, you're here, you're even serving everywhere. Fantastic, fantastic, you're giving, la, 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 la. But you've got to remember the gospel. There are professional Christians out there that can speak all about church, all about the Bible, all about the meetings that they've been to, but they don't mention Jesus one bit. We have to remember the gospel. Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. Let us never treat the gospel as meaningless. So why should we read uh, this book? Is when, when Paul planted the church of Galatia, it was on the right track. It had the right message. But intruders from outside began to persuade them. Paul uses this word pervert the gospel. And we'll get into this in a few moments. I'm getting a bit excited. I'm so sorry. But, but all of a sudden, time went by and different leaders started to jump in. Styles and preferences became more important. Religious activity became a priority. And the gospel-centered church that Paul planted went off course. And unfortunately, you and I can go off course. We can go off course and sometimes we need, a bit like a car needs a service, we need a gospel check. And we need to align ourselves back again. We are not just messengers of Jesus. We are receivers of Jesus. You know, sometimes we can get so caught up in the church, man. If you're visiting here, if you've never given your life to Jesus, I'll give you an opportunity at the end of this service. It's going to be beautiful. But at the same time, for the Christian, for the professional Christians, you are not just a messenger, but you are a receiver of his grace each and every day. We should have this attitude, where would I be without his grace, without the gospel? So the gospel 
is at, heart, is at the heart of everything that we do in everyday life. Let it be embedded in our hearts. Um, hmm, what should I go to next? Hey, why don't you just take a moment? Would you just close your eyes for a moment? Someone's going, we're finishing? No, we're not finishing. And calm down, we'll fill out the form. <laughs> All right. um, but um, would you just reflect and just ask yourself, have I drifted from the gospel message? Just ask yourself personally between you and God right now, have I drifted from the love of Jesus, from his sacrifice, from, his, from the good news? Have I drifted from the gospel? Let's take a moment. All right. Why don't you open your eyes now? So we're going to start Galatians chapter 1, and um, we're going to spend some time in a uh, certain passage of Scripture for a really long time. Other times we might just skip right through it. Uh, we'll see how we go, and, um, and then we'll go, go for it. So we're going to try and get through all of chapter 1 today. Uh, as I said, I, um, I really want to, yeah, anyway. Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, and I've called this the Great Rescue. It's, a, it's the R word, uh, middle section now. Some of you are going, I missed the first section. Keep up. Um, this is what it says in, in Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 to 5. Paul, an apostle, sent, from not, uh, sorry, sent not from men nor by a man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead and all the brothers and sisters with me, to the churches in Galatia, grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself... For our sins to rescue, everyone say rescue. Rescue us from the present evil age according to the will of um, our God and Father, to whom be the glory forever and ever. Here is Paul's introduction, and here's the first thing that he is stating. He says that I've been sent. That's what the next part is. I've been sent. Now, Paul right now is stating his authority, and he's not saying I've been sent by man. He's not saying I've been sent by a group of disciples. He's saying right now I had an encounter with Jesus in Acts chapter 9 and I've been sent. Let me tell you something. You know when someone's been sent and called. You know the people up here that Bet and uh, uh, Alyssa were praying for, you know, you know when you start talking about the mission field and things like that, there's something in someone when, you, when they've been called and when they've been sent. You can't stop them. You know, there is nothing that can stop them. Something fires up in their hearts. You can see it in their eyes. There is a passion in them. And this is what Paul is saying. I have not been sent by a guy. Peter, James, all the other guys. I've not been sent by Jerusalem headquarters, but I've been sent by Jesus. I've had an encounter with him and he's changed my life. You know, when God calls you, when he sends you, there is an authority and boldness. And this is immediate divine authority that, that Paul calls out here. This, this is the same calling that uh, Paul is feeling right now. There's a passion. There is a fire in his voice. He's saying, I've been sent here. You, can, you don't question being sent by God. You can question being sent by like some guy that goes, hey, go down the road. But when you're called by God, I'll be honest, the reason why like, we feel very confident in this season, but very unsure in this season, but the reason why we feel very confident in this season because we feel called. Like, I've got the calling of God in my life. I believe this is what I'm supposed to be doing. 
There's a confidence, there's a boldness in that that is unquestionable. The second part to Galatians chapter 1, verses 1 to 5, is that I've been rescued. I've been rescued. Paul right here gives a short, comprehensive outline of the gospel. We keep talking about the gospel, gospel, gospel. What is the gospel? The gospel is the good news. And I don't want to eat humble pie here, but we'll all eat it together. But we all needed rescuing. This one word, he unlocks the gospel right here, Paul. And he says, you and I needed rescuing. Why is it the good news? Well, we were, and you're going to write this down, we were helpless and lost. Humble pie. Eat the humble pie, helpless and lost cake. Or pie, whatever it is. You and I need a rescue. We needed a rescuer more than we needed a teacher. What humanity needed was rescuing. You know, a lot of teachers out there, a lot of other religions will teach, 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 teach. But not many saviors will come out there and say, I'm going to rescue you. Maybe another God that will say, I will rescue you. I will give my life for you. Jesus, no doubt, was a great teacher. Non-Christians would say he's a great guy, a great example, taught us a lot of things, but Paul says Jesus Christ rescued us. I liken it to this, right? For example, you see someone drowning, um, potentially me because I can't swim, uh, but you know, you're in a river, you're in a lake, you're in an ocean, whatever it might be. Don't judge me. Move on. Move on. I'm Indian. It's normal. Um, And anyway, you're in an ocean, you're in all these places, and you're drowning. You will not try to teach them how to swim at that point, will you? You won't throw them a manual. What do you need to do? You need to give yourself. You need to leave your location and rescue them. That is what Jesus did for us. He didn't just teach us. He said, I am rescuing you. I am giving you my life. So what did Jesus do? Well, it says in Galatians chapter 1 to 5, it says that he gave himself for. Everyone say for. He gave himself for. Um, And and the word for here is to mean on the behalf of. So the next line is Jesus was our substitute. Jesus. Jesus So we were helpless and lost, and now Jesus becomes our substitute. This is so important. It is the best substitution ever. In sport, you know, when a substitute takes place, what, what, what needs to happen? We need to, they're, they're substituting a player off to try and score a goal. They're trying to strengthen the team. They're trying to change the momentum of the game through the substitution. Let me tell you something. Salvation was a goal we could never score. And so we needed the greatest, the perfect substitution, which is Jesus. Who is Jesus? And he saved our lives. So when you get the rescue model in you, when you kind of start believing, I needed rescuing, I was hopeless. I was a sinner. You were hopeless. You were a sinner. You needed saving, and Jesus became our substitute. We needed a perfect substitution. Jesus took our place. When we deserved death, he took our place. Why would God do this. Why would he save you and I who are hopeless? No offense. Why would he save you and I that, that had our hearts turned away from him? Because God is gracious. Because God 
is gracious. This is literally what it says in these first few lines. I know it's very simple, but you need to, let me tell you, if you capture this, it will change your life. Let me, if you capture Galatians in your heart, if you capture the gospel in your heart, it will change everything. And I know some of you are going, oh, I'll think about it. Trust, I'm begging you. I am seriously begging you. Would you lean in for these next five or six weeks? It will change your life. It will change every part of your life if you capture the gospel. God is gracious. He writes here, it was according to the will of the Father. This is sheer grace. This was God's plan. This was pure grace. It was in his will. We didn't contribute anything to it. And Paul automatically reminds us that from the very first moment, we needed rescuing. You know, this this theory and this thought is, is needed as a starting point for gospel alignment. When you understand that you needed help, that you were hopeless, you needed saving, and Jesus substituted his life for you because of God's grace is a beautiful thing. Section 2, Galatians chapter 6 to 10. And uh, this is what this next part says, is that if you revise the gospel, you reverse it. If you revise the gospel, you reverse it. Alyssa and I, we planted Craigieburn with a team, and um, they were incredible team members. Um, I don't know, was it two years ago now? I don't know, not quite two years ago. So two years ago, we went out, and it was an incredible thing. We, and, you know, when you're launching a campus, you kind of set up systems, structures. You know, you put team members in positions, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, after about a year or so, Alyssa and I, we handed over to uh, Colin and Teresa, who are doing an incredible job. Um, yeah, could we put our hands together for our Craigie Burn campus? By the grace of God, they're doing an amazing thing. But can you imagine if Alyssa and I went back after a year... And Colin and Teresa completely changed the place. And I don't mean like the chairs and the run sheets and the next steps cards. I mean like the message. Like as in, I would, I'll be honest, I'd be fuming. If they changed the core of Craigieburn, of why we exist because of Jesus, as in, honestly, I'd be very upset as a leader. I'd be like going, what is taking place here? And so this is the environment that Paul was in where they had literally completely changed the message. And and it's a minor adjustment, but it's a major adjustment. They changed the message, and this is what he says in verse 6. He's very strong here, verse 6. I am astonished. I am surprised and shocked that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Everyone say a different gospel. Turning to a different gospel, which is really no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion. These false teachers are coming through and trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. The word pervert here means to reverse. Whenever you revise the gospel, you reverse the gospel. Whenever you try to add something to the message of Jesus, let me tell you something, you ruin it. If you've ever owned a book and then you've owned the original, etc., etc., and then you see like a year later, Tuesday, there's a second edition, what do they try to do? They're trying to make it better. Even in gaming, right? Like, as in, if you've played FIFA or AFL, um, I don't know why you. No, it's kind of fun here and there. Um, But, you know. They, they always are bringing out a new version. Why? Because they're making it better. 
They're putting new features into it, etc. Et this is what Paul is saying. If, you have rev- if there is a gospel 2.0, it's wrong. If there is a second edition gospel, guess what? It's wrong. And he even goes as as far to say, if an angel comes down from heaven and gives you gospel 2.0, let them be cursed by God. He is strong about this moment. If there is, the gospel 2.0 is no gospel at all. And what they were kind of saying here is that, and and what they were following was that, and, and, you know, we kind of talked about circumcision before, eating habits, but we can do this in churches. Jesus plus, make sure you're baptized. Oh, you didn't like that one, did you? Jesus plus, Pentecostal churches, speaking in tongues. Otherwise, I don't know. Jesus plus, giving or serving. You need something more. And this is gospel 2.0. And it's no gospel at all. It's no gospel at all. We are saved by grace, by the sacrifice of Jesus on a cross who rescued us, rose again so that we could receive eternal life. But human nature drifts us towards doing something, being responsible for our calling and saving. We want, we want something to do with it. Like, I want to be part of my own salvation. You know what I mean? I want to work for it. I want to earn it. But we couldn't. We could never do it. So I'm just about to just really quickly blow up some gospel 2.0 versions really quickly right now. Firstly is that, and you can fill it out while you're going, is that I am not saved by my surrender. I'm not saved by my surrender. We are called by grace. God calls us. You didn't call him. You're here on purpose. He has a purpose for your life. He has a plan for your life. You didn't call him. He called you. Grace is a gift from God. And this is the order of the gospel, that we are saved and he accepted us and then we follow him. Think about this for a moment. When we give salvation calls... Sometimes we might say, hey, do you want to surrender your life to Jesus? They don't need to surrender anything because Jesus did the work. Surrender is saying that I'm actually doing something. I'm actually um, working and doing my part. We can take no responsibility for our salvation. It is a sheer gift. We receive the sacrifice of Jesus. It's important that we don't make our performance of surrender the focus but the performance of Christ should be our focus. There was work on the cross, and it wasn't done by you. It was done by Jesus. When you start leaning on surrender, it can sometimes build this idea in our minds and hearts that my faith levels will actually lead to my salvation. And that leads to a moody Christian Sometimes you're faith-filled and sometimes you're not. But it's not your faith levels. It's the object of your faith. It is who you have your heart set on that actually builds your faith. So don't worry about what you do. Remember who you are leaning towards. Remember who you have your focus on. The second thing is I'm not saved by being a good person and doing good things. And you were just like, I just gave 20 bucks to charity. What's happening here? 
this may not go down very well, but I'm not saved by being a good person and doing good things. You know, when you do this, it's, it's, it probably goes wrong on two accounts. One is that you're saying that good works are enough to get to God. And it actually shows that Jesus' death was unnecessary. It also means that people that don't do good can't get to God. And the thing is, is that the gospel is not exclusive to anyone. It is inclusive to everyone. It is not just for some people on the left or some people on the right. It is for every single person in this room. Also, if you fall into this good person, good deeds act, is that it can also blind you from your own sinful condition. I've done so many good things, so therefore I'm saved. I've done, I'm such a good person, but I think we should always be, we shouldn't live in remorse, but we should always be reminded of our sinful natures. There should be something in us going, I am so grateful for the saving grace of God. I am so imperfect and I needed saving. Last one, I'm not saved by, by rituals and religion. The false teachers of Galatia, and we're going to look in the next, uh, next week in chapters 2 and 3, they were trying to impose their rules and customs to the people. They would tell you what to wear, what you should be eating and drinking, how often you should be somewhere, how you should function in your homes. These, again, are legalistic environments. Let me tell you something, the gospel brings freedom. The gospel brings freedom where the spirit of the Lord is. There is freedom. How are we saved then? Well, we are saved by the sacrifice of Jesus. We are saved by the sacrifice of Jesus. His work, not my work, but his work on the cross. And the most important part here is that the God the Father he accepted the work of Christ on our behalf and raised him from the dead. He accepted the work of Christ so that we could be saved. We're going to jump to uh, section three now. I want to finish in like five minutes. I don't know if that's possible. Let me give you all the answers and then let me just do whatever I want, okay? Here's the answers. It's the revelation of grace. Section 3, Galatians 1, 11 to 24. Some of you are going, this is just like high school. Um, fantastic. I just, you know, just skip ahead. Uh, it, it, it's the revelation of grace. The, re, uh, the second part is the revelation was not influenced by man. I'll explain that in a moment. The revelation was received by personal encounter. This is Paul's story that we're going to hear very shortly. And the revelation was an identity changer. I don't know if we're going to do these papers next week. It's too much for me, too much focus. Verse 11, this is what it says. I want you to know, brothers and sisters, the gospel I preached is not of human origin. I did not receive it from man, nor was I taught from it from another person, but I received it by direct revelation from Jesus Christ. And then Paul goes on in verse 17, he says, I did not go up to Jerusalem to see the other apostles. And what he is saying here is that it took him three years to meet up with the original disciples. And this is really important because here's the thing, if Jesus 
met with Paul, and he had the gospel of grace, the original gospel of grace. And then three years later, he met with the disciples. They agreed on the gospels. They agreed that you, do add, you don't add anything to the saving grace of Jesus. You do not add anything. It is Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. And it is so important to capture this. It is so important to, to grab this because here's the thing. No man could interrupt. And this is kind of going backwards now. This revelation that Paul had of grace had no influence from man had no influence from man, and it proves that his encounter was authentic, and it's his personal record of grace. You see, if they disagreed, we potentially would have had two Gospels. If they disagreed, we may have had two Bibles. We may have had completely two sets, and it would have been a decision and a crossroads for, that, for, for us, but the thing is, is that they agreed. And it's so important that they agree to this, that Jesus plus nothing equals salvation. The revelation was received by personal encounter. You know, Paul is saying here, I didn't receive it from man. I didn't receive it from a one-page PDF. This was an encounter, and I experienced God personally. Do you know what this means? And I love this because in our encounter nights, the last couple that we've had, do you know what people are saying to us? that when they have an encounter with God, they are literally experiencing his grace and his love. And I'm so cautious up here during encounter, I said, I don't want to say too much. Because let me tell you something, a direct word from heaven is so much better than a direct word from man. And so here we are, we have people surrendering and they're saying, God, I want more of you. And what's God doing? He's reminding them of his grace. It's in these sorts of moments that lives are changed forever. The revelation was an identity changer. It was an identity changer. You see, Paul goes on in verses, um, verses 13 to, to 16, and he starts to begin to tell his story about how he persecuted the church, killed Christians. He was, he was part of, uh, he was totally against the church. And he says, knowing all this, Jesus chose me. Knowing all this, I was saved. His identity was completely changed. He was a different man because of the gospel. And what Paul is trying to write in this back end of Galatians chapter 1 is this, is that his testimony is the perfect example of the gospel. His testimony, his story of persecuting the church was a perfect example example of the gospel. It was the gospel message at heart. And you know what he's trying to say here through this example is that you were never too good. He writes, I know the law. I was the most zealous of Christians. You're never too good though for the gospel. And you're never too bad for the gospel. You were never too good. You were never too religious for the gospel. But yet maybe You've got your life really wrong. Maybe things are falling apart right now. Let me tell you something. You were never too bad to receive the gospel. Paul was deeply religious. Some of you are deeply religious. No offense, but we are. We had, he was deeply religious, but he needed the gospel. Watch this. But Paul was also deeply flawed. He was broken. He was bad. 
and he still needed the gospel. Both needed the gospel. An encounter with grace will change you. I'm going to invite the worship team up right now. Worship team, you've got to move real quick because uh, uh, we're, we're going to move real quick. This week, I'm preparing this message, and I start thinking about uh, my experience of the grace of God in my life. And do you know what? When, when I start thinking about it, do you know where my automatic response goes to? I start saying things like this. I grew up in a Christian home. Who grew up in a, anyone grew up in a Christian home here? Yeah, there's a lot of Christian homes here. Fantastic. And when I'm saying this, it's like I'm saying to God, oh, I wasn't that bad. Like, I wasn't that far off. So I didn't need that much saving. Like, I was okay. Like, isn't it? It was fine. And then on the weekend, uh, Alyssa and I had the privilege of um, going to Lifehouse Church, um, and Pastor Phil and Chris Pringle were, were speaking there, and they've planted over 500 churches, right, uh, Phil and Chris Pringle. And they start to tell their salvation story. And I'm talking like, they literally, they, and I, I, I'm going to quote them because it's so, it's so full on. Like, but they're going, hey, listen, you know, my, my mum was abusive. They came from broken homes. They were saying they were, they were smoking dope and popping pills when they had an encounter with grace, when they had an encounter with Jesus. And I'm driving home with Alyssa and I'm going, babe, I don't have a story like that. I grew up in church. And I started to wrestle with God. I'm going, God, like, as in, you know, like, What's my story here? Like, as in how, how, how? And, and then he began to very gently remind me. He began to start speaking to me, and he says, oh, I know you don't have a story like this, and I know you say that you grew up in church, but let me remind you of a few things. And, be, and God began to show me my stuff. He's saying, I know you grew up in a Christian home, but guess what? While you sat in service, uh, this is not to you, this is to me, okay? I just want to be a little bit like, oh. While you sat in services disinterested in me, I had grace for you. While you had a number of opportunities to connect with me each and every Sunday, each and every small group, each and every youth service, etc., etc., and you chose to ignore me, I had grace for you. He began, to, it, it doesn't, I, I wish it stopped there. While you were reckless, Jason, as a young man, still sometimes, while your character was far from who I've called you to be, making all these mistakes, being silly in so many scenarios, guess what? I had grace for you. This next one hurt me though, and, and I was like, God, really? Even the times that you said you were close to me, but actually you were far from me. I had grace for you. And you, you and I, we can get, get so caught up in the religiousness, the gospel 2.0s, that we can forget the grace of God. That while we sometimes are interested, sometimes disinterested. While our hearts were turned away, far away, He has grace for you. 
He accepts you just as you are. Whether you grew up in a Christian home or a broken home, guess what? The gospel is for you. Whether you grew up in a church or the streets, guess what? The gospel's for you. Whether you read your Bible every day or you're trying a new substance every day, guess what? The gospel's for you. Whether you're at church in every meeting or whether you've never been to church in your life, guess what? The gospel is for you. Would you bow your heads? Would you close your eyes? Today, if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Saviour, if you want to say, God, I accept you today. Maybe right now you're acknowledging your brokenness, your hopelessness, and you need Jesus. If you believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins and He rose again, He was the perfect substitute for your life. You receive this today. And if you want to make Him Lord and Saviour of your life, right now with every head bowed and every eye closed, would you just lift your hand right now? And we're going to pray together. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Anyone else in this room? He gave His life for you. We were hopeless. We were sinners. And He gave Himself so that we could be saved. Anyone else in this room, one last time, would you just lift your hand right now if you want to give your life to Jesus? Yep, I see that hand. Come on, as one family, could we just pray together? Would you repeat after me? Lord, this day, I am a sinner in need of your saving grace. Thank you for paying for my sin so that I could be saved. Come and live in me from this day forth. Today I receive you as my Saviour. Today I receive you as the Lord of my life. And I declare that you are my Saviour. Amen. Come on, can we put our hands together for the people that made a decision to follow Jesus? Would you stand to your feet across this room? Thanks for listening to this week's message from Encompass Church. If today's message has impacted you and you want to give your life to Jesus, if you need prayer or if you want to get connected to the church, please contact us at office at encompass.org.au. Never miss a moment by following us online. Search for Encompass Church on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.